they don't really realize though this next verse this next verse though these bars Whoopie dee scoop, scoop dee dee whoop, whoop dee scoop dee poop, poop dee scoop dee scoop dee whoop, whoopie dee scoop whoop poop, poop dee dee whoop scoop, poop, poop, scoop dee dee whoop, whoop dee dee scoop, whoop dee dee scoop poop. Kanye's in the news, and he's got new music for us. What yeah, do you think? He's, he's just in the news for his new music. Nothing else. Yeah, uh, it sounds like he released a beat uh, that is yet to be wrapped upon, uh, wrapped no, he, atop. He uh, wrapped with some. <laughs> yes, he scooped and he pooped. <laughs> he def- it was definitely. Uh, I think that I think his verse may have been a tribute to uh, Bill Cosby. Scooby to do wop. Scooby to poop. That's well, my. That's uh. That's the last Bill Cosby impression. Um, <laughs> that I'll do. Someone's gonna do the last Bill Cosby impression before he's uh, taken by skeletons into hell, and uh, you know. Um, uh, I don't even have anything to add. That's uh, that's good. Kanye released a beat. Uh, it's good. Um. Slowly, Kanye and Kanye's beats are uh, separating from each other, um, becoming different beings. I would not be surprised if uh, the uh, entity that makes the beats is a Venom-like symbiote (laughs) that lives within Kanye and has driven him insane. (laughs) At the very least, a... uh... A Tyler Durden-esque alter ego uh, who acts independently. I don't mean to appropriate um, cultures, but Tom Hardy would play a great Kanye. <laughs> yeah, that's just good colorblind casting, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. Um, is Tom Hardy the guy in Venom? I didn't even know that. He is. All right. I love Tom Hardy. Okay. Well, you know, as troll moves go, I give that one a, uh, a three out of ten. and a Three poop emojis out of ten. For that should we uh should we abolish twitter for the good of art <sighs> hmm uh you know that might actually help but i don't know if we should therefore do it i'm gonna say no hmm. but certainly whenever artists do like uh address the news of the day it often it often doesn't work out so yeah oh, maybe we should we should not we will never talk about kanye outside of his music again i guess i guess depressed is what this kanye song makes me feel yes yes so you don't stop cool id best rapper you don't stop another fucking hundred fucking dollar freestyle for you and your mind come on yeah you can never define anything but divine love i'm a savage beast <laughs> slightly above average at least nah preference is relative my reference is consistently uh, bring you to another vicinity. I hit you with the riddles consistently. Dead in the middle, a little triply, little. Dip. Welcome to Savage Beast. Uh, I'm Joe Gallagher. With me, as always, a full-fledged intellectual of the proletariat. It's Paul McLeod. Yes, 
Um, I I'm going there now, Joe, so that because really I just want an excuse to kill all my class enemies like you. Mm. Yeah. Yes, it's you know the best blood is the one is the the blood spilled for impersonal reasons. That's that's really all there is to it. Uh, um, is uh, Kanye bougie? No, Kanye. What will Kanye's role in the new regime be? Ah, damn it. I just violated our rule to not talk about Kanye. You just fucked it up. You just (sighs) fucked it up. Um, So, you're definitely on the the prescription list now, Jim. I'll be second against the wall uh, after (laughs) uh, Nick Cannon. (laughs) Um, uh, Paul, uh, we received some reader mail. Um, Yes. One... uh, uh, one letter from uh, our old friend Jim and yes. another from uh, the coolest of your four siblings, uh, Martha. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, I wanted to, I think we should do a segment uh, where we say thank you for writing. Yeah, Jim, we appreciate uh, your responses to our podcast. They're very kind. Um, and uh, I'm impressed with your uh, musical adventurism and uh keep sending them in uh, martha um you uh i know that you were always there to tell me when i'm mispronouncing a shitty musician's name and uh here we are by the way andrew and timbo and hannah if she were to ever listen to this are definitely offended about you calling her the coolest yeah, absolutely um, well they can if they're offended they can write an email about it <laughs> That's true. I don't. I don't know that Martha. I listen. Martha is the most lovable and perhaps the most admirable of my siblings. Um, coolness is going to be on your own idiosyncratic axis if you think she's the coolest. But you know that's fair. Again, right now we're rating coolness by number of emails sent uh, into the yeah. official Savage Beast email account, savagebeastpod at gmail dot com. Uh, anyone, uh, including any relative of Paul is welcome to send us an email there, uh, especially Paul's parents. 100% yes. encouraged to write. Absolutely. All right. So, Paul, we've got business out of the way. Yeah. Yes. Uh, we've got uh, a hot topic tonight, um, one that we've never addressed before, uh, the 1990s. <laughs> yeah, I think technically one of mine came outside the '90s, but it's a '90s band, so I'm uh, I'm saying it's okay. Uh, we uh, tonight we are talking about alternative rock lyrics. Uh, I had an inspiration to discuss what we thought were our favorite of those lyrics. Should I say favorite? I don't think I sent us out on a quest to find the best. That would be uh, such a momentous undertaking um, with many songs to debate that uh, mm-hmm. I, I really I felt like I came up with some uh, excellent examples. I, mean, I don't want to represent yeah. them as the best. It's the four best ones I could think of in a reasonable amount of time. Let's put it that way. Yes, it was it was an interesting task. Um, how did I, I had a way that I kind of went about it. How did you approach this? I um, procrastinated for a while, and mm. then of course I, yeah, then I started panicking, and then I decided, okay, what are my favorite bands? Okay, uh, from that period, what are some lyrics that I like? And then 
Um, I just started clicking around genius. Uh, I even looked up like best Pixies lyrics and found some shitty like, you know, wiki pages about that and stuff. Um, so uh, <laughs> looking at lyrics until I found things good enough to put on the list is how it was, was my process. <laughs> this sounds like this sounds like the way a lot of alternative rock uh, artists probably wrote their lyrics, which is to <laughs> procrastinate, panic, and then copy the Pixies. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, um, uh, you know, that worked out. We love that music. So I feel like my methods are justified here. Yeah, I, you know, for me, um, uh, it's, I came up with a very complex rubric. I thought about four um, uh, points on a matrix to, mm-hmm. to pass the lyrics through in a test. Um, are you uh, fucking I, with me? No, I mean, I, I, I did think, <laughs> I thought about like what makes a lyric truly excellent. And I came up with four pillars uh, upon mm. which it would stand. Um, uh, number one, it has to be well sung in the song. I won't consider okay. anything that's not, you know, uh, that's sort of like from bad band. I think mm-hmm. that's important. The song, you know, has to be good outside of the lyric and it has to be passionately delivered. Um, mm-hmm. It has to be something that uh, I anticipate um, when I play the song and and kind of have that that karaoke urge to sing along with it where I'm, I'm excited to get to that point as if I were, you know, uh, uh, singing it myself in front of a crowd. Like it has to it has to kind of build within me yeah um that's definitely true for my choices yeah um i think it also uh has to pass a i don't i think i thought about calling this the tattoo test but i would never get a song lyric tattooed on myself so i didn't think that was fair but it has to pass a test where if you write it down Mm -hmm. it's not so cringeworthy that you you can't even stand to look at it like it it has to be um you know of a reasonable quality that it's 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 got um uh that you're you don't find it juvenile or mm-hmm. um meaningless outside of the context of the song okay um That's and fair. yeah and um which uh you know may disqualify um, you know, a certainly any any uh, wordless howls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Wordless blurs, howls blurs woohoo, <laughs> which I do anticipate <laughs> and is well sung. Does not yes. count here. Um, uh, and finally, I mean, I, I ha- it has to be something that you know all these have to add up to the point that it it sort of becomes a talisman to me and has a deeper meaning you know it it can't mm-hmm. just be something that sounds good in in the context of the song it does have to have some subtext some unique or especially piercing you know poetic quality you know i I don't i think it's unfair to go and treat lyrics as poetry um obviously Mm -hmm. the vast majority of even good song lyrics you know uh, they serve a different function than um you know the than poems uh do um in even though they're 
you know, extremely similar. And I think in some ways, you know, you're attracted to them um, through the same methods of the mind. But, uh, you know, in the end, it does have to have some literary merit uh, to really be a good lyric, uh, which would, I would say, maybe disqualify something like the chorus to um, Undone the Sweater Song, which is certainly fun to sing along, um, doesn't mm-hmm. look ridiculous written down, and is is well sung, but I think lacks that kind of um, deeper... Yeah. It doesn't move I would you. go with that. Yeah. Um, no. So, so The yeah. reasons that's a great song are not because of the chorus lyrics, for sure. No. Um, so I put together this complicated rubric, and then basically pretty much did what you did, was thought of my favorite <laughs> bands and thought about the lyrics I really liked, and uh, just decided that uh, they kind of retrofit the system that I came up with. Yeah. Well, you know, I think, uh, though that may be the case, uh, your exercise did, I think, allow you to explicate some of the reasons why these lyrics are good so certainly certainly cool all right well who should go first well i should i should say that we set up rules where we would each think of three uh lyrical moments um and then i immediately realized that then we would each need an extra one for our uh smashing pumpkins moment which i knew we would both have well yeah i mean there's no question that the pumpkins were going to be in it but um yeah, this way we, we could also choose other things. But, of course, we also, also both ended up picking another band in common. But that's okay, because that band has dozens of selectable options. Well, why don't we, uh, why don't we start there with Modest Mouse? All right, so this is Night on the Sun by Modest Mouse. Okay, that was, uh, as I said, Night on the Sun by Modest Mouse. And the uh, f- the chorus, as uh, Genius.com labels it, of uh, freeze your blood and then stab it into, into, stab your blood into me and blend. I hate my own blood and get filled up. I get filled up. I get filled up on me and end is my choice here. Um, shout, technically out to, the- shout out to Genius for um, kind of boldly assigning the terms chorus and verse to various parts of Modest Mouse songs. Oh, yeah, exactly. There's no sense in which it's obvious that this is the chorus of this song. Um, in fact, 
Yeah, later they 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 label a section of those lyrics as a bridge, so who knows. Um, anyway, in fact, impressively, there is nothing labeled as a verse in this song. It's all pre-chorus, chorus, bridge, and outro. So uh, I'm impressed. Um, anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, so this is a, this is a song from uh, sort of leftover from the moon in Antarctica which is as good as any song on that album um, that came out on Everywhere in His Nasty Parlor Tricks, a typically uh, 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 weirdly named Modest Mouse release um, from 2001. So like I said, I technically broke the rules here, but Modest Mouse is clearly a 90s band, mm-hmm. uh, so I don't mind. Yes, um, and they were playing this song in the 90s. Yeah, there you go. Um but so uh, this, uh, first of all, when I started looking through this, I, I was just like, you know, I started going through my list of uh, great Modest Mouse lyrics I could think of. And I was just clicking through every single song on the Lonesome Crowded West. And you could basically pick uh, certainly a song at random and probably even a passage at random and find great lyrics on that album. And I knew that I liked uh, Isaac Brock's lyrics. I didn't realize that I loved all of his lyrics until I started looking at them like this. <laughs> um, so yeah, this one in particular though stands out. It was uh, this one meant a lot to me in college um, when this uh, was a more current release. Sorry, I feel like I'm lisping tonight. Um, but uh, uh, it's uh, one that I played through a lot of anguished moments. And uh, I was a little bit gratified and also a little bit disappointed to see that the genius annotation on this chorus is exactly the way I read it. Um, Because I thought it was a little more, I thought it was a little cleverer than apparently I am for interpreting it that way. But, um, you know, the image is freeze your blood and then stab it into into me and blend, which I did take as uh, the idea being that um, uh, it's just an, an incredibly violent metaphor uh, and grew, you know, gruesome metaphor uh, for a yearning to escape the separation that we all feel, the isolation that we all feel mm-hmm. uh, as uh, people, you know, maybe in our modern society is what uh, one would tend to say, but I, I don't know, maybe people always felt that way. Um, and uh, I don't know, the, the, the grotesquerie combined with the tenderness of the yearning is what gets me that sort of juxtaposition. And then I eat my own blood and get filled up, get filled up. I get filled up on me and end, uh, is a nice, um, uh, repetition of the idea that, uh, just having one's own self is, um, uh, ultimately just tor- uh, a form of torment. And, um, especially when, uh, you are, as I was then a young man, um, it's, uh, it's one of those things that one has to get over uh, as one grows up. And uh, the song, the song helped me through that period. Yeah. I mean, Isaac Brock has a way of creating an aphorism, then immediately perverting it in a way mm-hmm. to change it from pithy to uh, deeply moving and suffused yeah. with heartache and yeah. he does this, and well, also usually like um, like 
like dark and twisted. Yeah. And use an overused phrase and keeps you like chuckling the whole time, which Mm -hmm. is a a strange talent of his um, that he wisely deploys um, throughout almost all of his songs. And uh, certainly this one stands out to me as maybe one of the most visceral of his lyrics um, where Mm. you just, uh, it's the pain of the sentiment is unavoidable, um, whereas sometimes it feels like he's kind of cloaking uh, his sentiments in his wit. That's true. Uh, so yeah. I think I'm not surprised that maybe you grabbed this and and pulled it out. Um, I think maybe one of your your possibly one of your, if not your favorite, Modest Mouse song, um, Third Planet, uh, has similarly yeah. um, revealing lyrics um, compared to the uh, Modest Mouse canon. Yeah. No, I love those lyrics too. I we've talked about them when I picked that song for another podcast, which is why I disqualified it. Um but yeah, you can just like I said go through any Modest Mouse song and find something awesome. Um which um I think we'll do next actually. Yeah, speaking of which, um let's play a bit from uh uh talking shit about a pretty sunset. Uh yeah, and uh, pay attention to the vivid imagery. That was the first verse of Talking Shit About a Pretty Sunset, um, which uh, the chorus of the song uh, comes both before and after. Um, Mm -hmm. I would say that this song is more chorus verse, chorus verse. Well, Genius just threw up their hands and put it all as one block with no uh, section labels. So there you go. um, Um, And they also started the song in the version I'm looking at. They start the song with instrumental break it's not a break <laughs> if it's at the start of the song um yeah, so that's retarded. again <laughs> um sorry you should cut that okay. um, <laughs> I, i'm not particularly woke but that's that, that was too much <laughs> um yes um okay um so, Modest Mouse, so many good lyrics. It's hard for me to cut, uh, pick um, exactly uh, 
the one I like the best. But this one definitely popped up as I was looking through um, a bunch of my kind of 90s playlists and what I like. You know, this song, uh, this verse, uh, I've always just absolutely loved it. Um, that opening image where he paints mm. this character um, of this bad-tempered prom queen at a homecoming dance and you immediately some see someone who you know thinks they're too good for where they are and is just totally wrong about it and so much of what uh isaac brack does well is um to represent self-sabotage as both a noble undertaking and like mm. a, a, a um you know one of the big uh, a tragedy really tragedies of life yes um and uh, this song just just tells that takes that and tells it more as a story um you know next he says he's not excited with his life anymore the he blames the town his job his friends the truth is it's himself um and then at the, you know at the end he says he finally uh, finally get it figured out i've changed the whole damn plan and it's just you <laughs> kind of get there you're like uh, yeah, you know, and, and I think we've we've all been there, and um, it's sung very convincingly, and um, to kind of uh, go from those like, you know, the, just that self depreciating humor, um, it's and and to fit it into a song in a way that is um, so compelling and not overly prosaic is um, impressive, um, and I would yeah. say. I would say another song, you know, another song it kind of that I, you know, mirrors is uh, um, uh, whenever I breathe out, you breathe in where he says, I didn't want to go to bed. I didn't want to stay up late. Uh, it's just mm -hmm. he, he's capable of sort of like expressing this feeling where you're like sort of in between doing anything. And the boredom yeah. is like all encompassing and also just magnifying your current shitty emotional state. Yeah. That particular lyric you just mentioned has always struck me as like the most, um, just the most uh, uh, it's plain, but the most accurate description of depression I've ever heard. In a song. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you just say, just like, fuck this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you can't actually do anything about yeah. it. Yeah. No, uh, this this is an excellent choice, um, and uh, a couple things about it. First of all, um, part of the reason that like four line vignette you described works so well is that it starts out seeming sort of generic, you know, looking kind of anxious in your cross arm stance, and then the way he the simile part of it comes in uh, after he describes that uh, more generic thing, you know, like a bad tempered prong queen. And uh, immediately makes it so much more concrete and uh, funny, too, um, which uh, makes it hit a lot harder that, you know, you're sort of like just sort of going along with the idea. And all of a sudden, humor enters the picture in the midst of this sad music and um, and depressing uh, uh, scene. So that works really well. And then also, um, this is a totally pedantic point, and I'm ashamed even to be bringing it up, <laughs> and it does not actually detract from the song. But I must note that uh, a prom and a homecoming are two separate events, so I'm not sure a prom queen at a homecoming dance makes sense. No, that's the anyway. point. 
That's the oh, point. Oh, I that's, wondered if that was the case. The I point wondered. is that she's the re- that's the whole reason she's too good for the homecoming dance is because she's the prom queen. So she's ah. at like the second rate dance. I think okay. that, yeah, that's what drives it home. Um, well, then I have to point out, though, that the prom queen from the prom happens after homecoming. It's true. A senior. So well, I think that I think that I think that that's like sort of the, you know, of course, he's obviously using it metaphorically. But I think that's the yeah, paradox yeah. of like throughout this where he's like sort of I, I won't say that he didn't do that on purpose, where it's like someone who regards himself as a prom queen you know, yeah. is like, well, this is just the homecoming dance, you know? <laughs> um, and it's like ever more ridiculous. Uh, yeah. and I think that, that you do have to mention, although it's not part of this is that this is, you know, all leads up to both the title and the second verse, um, yes. you know, talking shit about a pretty sunset, which is, yeah, no, know, that's such a perfect encapsulation of the attitude he's describing. Yeah. Um, and you know, like be like, Oh yeah, look, it's just a bunch of colors caused by dust. Come on, man. Like that's, <laughs> We've talked about this song before, I know, because I have, I talked about before, like, I have absolutely found myself doing that, like, just being a dick about things for no reason. Yes, totally. (laughs) Um, We have talked about this song before. Um, Yeah. uh, Yes, we're getting to the point in this podcast where we're truly repeating ourselves without even realizing it. Um, Well, all our new listeners since then, you know, get to experience it this way, so I think it's fine. Um, And, you know, Bill Simmons talks about the hardened trade in literally every basketball podcast (laughs) he does, and he's wildly successful, so we should probably do it more. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, the the Smashing Pumpkins are our hardened trade, Joe. Yes. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, uh, Okay, I think we've said enough about Modest Mouse. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't think we have. Nothing, not enough can be said. But no. for now, yes, let's move on. Um, yeah, we're going to um, do... I do have to say, I think... Um, are we coming up with the, the Lonesome Crowded West? Did we miss the 20th anniversary? It's this year. I don't know what date. Uh, well, we'll have to... We will return for that. Yeah, we'll a, definitely cover it this year. Oh, no, it was November of last year. Shame Fuck, I thought it was a 98 release. Ah, uh, wow. Well, you know, one thing we've discovered with this podcast is that the 20-year anniversaries of our favorite albums are coming fast and thick. Um, yes, so fast and thick. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you'd appreciate that, Joe. Um, uh, all right, let's move on to my next song. All right. <laughs> let's, let's get my pumpkin's choice out of the way. Um, yeah, it's a quick one, and also one we've also discuss- discussed before. Mm-hmm.
All right, that was a segment from Hummer by the Smashing Pumpkins off their seminal album, mm. Siamese Dream. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah. yeah. You know, I don't, I don't really like this song. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, man. <laughs> this is, I, I, I keep trying to see if there's something else that will supplant it, but this remains, I think, my favorite pumpkin song. Um, it's, it's a good choice because it makes me feel, you know, unique and special because it's not an obvious choice. Um, yeah, if we ever but, have a, if we ever have a pumpkins fantasy draft, um, which we need a third person for, but when we find them, we will do it. I just, I, yeah. I've always known you will take this song first. I'm, I, you know, I might strategically not, but it, it would be first in my heart. Ooh, that would be um, foolish. <laughs> I mean, it's, this song's there in the second round. Believe me, I'm taking it. <laughs> All right. Good. I am glad that a that an extremely discerning fan such as you uh, shares my affection for this song. Yeah, I think um, it's I think it's you know to kind of put the pumpkins minute in within the pumpkins discussion. I mean, I yeah. think it's it's clearly um, it's definitely the top five of the fan favorites category of pumpkins. Oh, is it? And, and I think you, that you know a lot more about the internet the internet's feelings about the pumpkins. Than I yes. Do, so. And I, and my pumpkins choice is also in that category. And certainly I think that it's, um, overall, um, one of their best songs, uh, with, okay. you know, they, many of their songs have multiple, uh, sections, but, um, and yeah. complex structures, but Hummer really puts that together in truly beautiful package that showcases Absolutely. all their talents, Absolutely. including the lyrics. Paul, yes, tell us why. And, and including this particular lyric. So I will say it benefits a little bit from some setup in that the song, you know, is sort of about um, just sort of disaffection with life. And, uh, you know, uh, another really great line earlier is happiness will make you wonder, will I feel okay? Which I think that and this lyric were also... Um, uh, aim away messages of mine back in college. Um, but that's just, it's a uh, true and also like, when you start to think about a, a, a sentiment like that, um, it's really depressing, <laughs> you know? <laughs> hey, I'm feeling good. And then you immediately start wondering whether it's actually going to last. Um, but it all sort of culminates in this uh, uh, triplet, let's say. Life's a bummer when you're a hummer. Life's a drag. Yeah. Um, which works, um, I didn't include the yeah, but I, one thing I like about this lyric is that it works the way Billy wails it in the song. But it also works in a sort of more sardonic fashion, just written out plain. Um, uh, I like the way that it's short and pithy and that you get two, uh, two uh, rhyming lines and then one that does not rhyme at all. Uh, somehow that really makes the sentiment sent home for, uh, hit home for me. But, you mm-hmm. know, the main idea, it's only like, what are we talking about, like nine words here? Yes. Um, ten? <laughs> the main idea um, hits um, uh, so well because, I don't know, first of all, it's, this is just something that has I've always identified with of just um, – if you, you know, for a person who, is, and maybe lots of people feel this way, for a person who feels like um, just really full of some sort of uh, life energy, um, the actual circumstances in which they deploy that energy um, can feel 
uh, like just, you know, bland and not exciting enough for the feelings going on or the thoughts going on inside that person. And um, this is a really nice, quick encapsulation of that idea um, that has always just popped into my head a a million times. Um, Yeah, I think that there is something about being pithy in your lyrics that is of great value. And um, there's especially a contrast here between so many of Billy's lyrics, which are verbose and Mm -hmm. uh, bombastic. Uh, Here he seems to wear his heart on his sleeve a bit more and just come out and kind of offer one of his most genuine uh, sentiments, Uh, certainly that he does on Siamese Dream, which I think... Um, and also some of his most like slang oriented expression, you know, yeah. normally he's like self-consciously poetic and this is like, you know, bummer drag. This is like sixties slang. <laughs> yeah. Casual maybe is, is yeah. what, what pops up here. Um, and I think mm-hmm. that when he suddenly reveals that, um, what is this four and a half, five minutes into the song? Um, yeah. it's especially disarming and you know, you've, you've gone on a little bit of a a journey with him. This is kind of the first uh, epic song of the album. Um, Mm. You know, it's got three, three straight bangers ahead of it. Cherub Rock, Quiet, and Today. Um, So here is where you first really get that pure Siamese dream dynamic of loud, quiet, loud, quiet, loud, quiet in a, you know, in a narrative yeah. fashion. Um, and I mean, and with you know, all the psychedelia that they, that he goes into in, in some stuff too, which is like, makes it really pop. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Pop, and <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll allow it. Um, so I, <laughs> um, and I do think um, the one thing I want to say is that, you know, the, the outro of this song is so well drummed, mm by yes. uh, Mr. Jimmy Chamberlain. And I think that there, in some ways, that Jimmy not only responds to Billy's guitar playing, but he often responds seemingly to his singing and lyrics um, with his drums. Um, and, you know, these little accents um, and hits here and there. Um, if there's any musical terminology in which I am particularly deficient, <laughs> it is drumming terminology um but uh here you know sort of the casual walk of the drums uh, definitely mm. mirrors the lyrics and i think uh there's a it's a syncopated beat on the on the on the outro would be a way to describe it yeah and, and there's a there's a scene change in this song and mm-hmm. kind of everything um follows that maybe even i don't want to say the curtain goes you know the curtain is pulled back because that's a little too dramatic, but um, certainly you go from a big production to um, someone just walking down the street. And um, in the context of uh, these amazing guitar and drums, it's a, it's a pretty cool scene. Yeah. Um, by the way, I just looked up the genius annotation for this and no, no. Uh, somebody pulled, no, no, this is actually funny. It's just a quote from Billy uh, from 2000. <laughs> oh um, no. <laughs> no, apparently they played the show in Portland and they opened up the floor for a Q&A session. <laughs> and a fan asked, why do you have a song called Hummer? And here's Billy's answer. This is actually funny. 
Ever since I wrote that song, I've heard many definitions of the word Hummer. I've heard there's a car called a Hummer. I heard that Monica gave Bill a Hummer in the White House. But quite honestly, in my innocent youth, I imagined it being someone who just walked around humming a song to himself. That does fit the song. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, we should explain for the children that Bill Clinton, a former president, um, got a blowjob in the White House. And that's what he's referring to. <laughs> wow. I know. Um, you know, there were scandals before Trump. But um, anyway, um, <laughs> that, that, that more or less fits with my interpretation. So I'm happy to see that, actually. Um, Delightful. All right. Well, should we move on yeah. to my pumpkins example? If that's where you want to go, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's play uh, the um, outro of Muzzle. Mm. That was Muzzle um, by a little band called The Smashing Pumpkins. Um, Paul, Mm. in uh, college, I had a poetry professor um, who was kind of an asshole, which is how you can (laughs) tell a really good poetry professor. Um, (laughs) And, you know, he said a poem never, never reaches its true value for you until you memorize it. Um, which I always found really interesting. Mm. And, you know, I see I see what uh, what he means is that, you know, if you want to um, something to be a talisman and something to be meaningful for you and and help you in times of need or um, in times when you need context, um, you have to be able to call it up, um, you know, to your mind. It has to it has to exist there already. And you, you need to be able to um, reference it and, um, you know, gain strength or whatever else you need from it um and i think here in this outro bill uh, billy you know builds these really poetic images um that are you know 
they're they're teen there's a lot of teen angst um in them but they're still moving you know uh, you know, when, when he says he knew the distance to the sun, the echo that is love, you know, the murmurs. I don't think you need to be embarrassed about the teen angst here. This is, these no. are just good lyrics. They are, they Go are. Ahead. And yeah. I think that, you know, the way he builds them and stacks them into this, this tower, um, where repeating the, the formulation over and over, you know, it turns into a, a mantra, a mantra, mantra. A manta ray, <laughs> um, a mantra that you can repeat to yourself and really keep in your mind. And I think that's why, you know, these particular lyrics, which are great to sing along to, and you're right, are just good uh, for an alternative rock song, also have a, an extra layer of meaning because they seem to just um, capture uh, a deep and uh, striking experience of you know, youth and love and uh, yeah. angst and rede- and redemption, ultimately, you know, the redemption of having experienced it and having, you know, learned and suffered um, no matter the outcome. Um, yeah. And, and in a world you can't live without, which, um, <laughs> you know, is a, um, on its own, would be perhaps a bit trite, uh, but he really earns that, um, and and kind of he earns that sentiment um, in this passage. Absolutely, yeah. No, the that's uh, that that potentially trite sentiment is what sort of uh, brings it brings it back in because you know so much the all the previous lines the the images of things he knew are you know about sort of secret knowledge and and um, and aloneness and everything. And then bringing it back into um, the fact that you have to engage with the world despite or maybe because of <laughs> the way you're, you know, interacting with your own personal mind works is what, um, what really uh, makes the, the sort of catharsis of the, of the outro, I was going to say verse, um, hit home. It's, it's actually, you know, sort of a, uh, a a different way of approaching the the idea of the uh, night on the sun lyrics um, yep. that I cited earlier. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, this is uh, this is um one of his more showy uh, lyrical passages, and and Billy is given to those, but um he he nails it here. I mean, you can you can go line by line, and um I I remember as a high schooler being sort of um, confused like what is he talking about like the secrets in your spires but actually it's all uh excuse me i think it all hangs together pretty well uh and um it's yeah you know um uh for all that he sometimes goes a little overboard with the self-conscious poetry um he nails it here and it helps that it's over some uh completely badass uh, uh, but yet still yearning rock and roll. Um, yes, flood Jimmy, <laughs> everything, yeah. everyone doing their part to support uh, these awesome lyrics. Um, yes, one, no, some of some of, one of Jimmy's best performances. Really. Oh, absolutely. Um, one point about the structure here is you know when he switches from you know the and I knew you know and I knew the solitude of heart and I knew the murmurs mm-hmm. of the soul and he leaches uh, leaps into this part where he's saying and you know and the world is drawn into your hands he he almost switches mm-hmm. from this rising 
bridge to a new chorus. It's yes. Uh, there's a, a choral release in that part, and you know I've uh, gone back and listened to it, and I'm sure you know structurally it has a lot of similarities to the. It does have similarities to the, you know, the structure of the previous, uh, previously in the song. Man, what a, earlier in the song. There we go. Um, but it's it's still new, and so for him to kind of take the parts of the beginning of the song and kind of put together a um, yeah. new chorus structure here is um, fucking cool. <laughs> it is. <laughs> and, 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 you know, and that's that's that goes along with what I was saying. Like, that's the moment where um, to, to expand on what I was saying earlier, like the the time you spend alone with your own soul is what prepares you to um, understand and appreciate the world outside of you in a better way. And, uh, um, you know, that's sort of the subtext that goes into uh, the structure that he's put here. And uh, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. And Billy, Billy loves the structure of verse, chorus, verse, chorus, totally different song. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, that's, that's honestly a great structure. So props to him. Totally. Um, Um, Okay. We have four more songs to talk about. Let's do it. Okay, I remember one of my other two. One was the Pixies. What was the other one I picked? Uh, remind me real quick. I I, I can open up our chat to, uh, <laughs> to the, remind uh, myself. Yeah, let me click back over here. Um, it is. Oh my god. Uh, yeah, this is funny. Oh. Um, oh. Oh. Built to spill. That's right. Yeah. Oh my god. Yes. Yes. Okay. Let's do let's do the pixies first. All right. That was uh, the second verse from Hey by the Pixies off their album Doolittle. Actually, I guess I just realized I broke the rules again because this album came out in 1989. But since they inspired all of 90s rock, I don't feel too bad. It's the Um, Pixies. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, this is my selection that that comes closest to violating one of your principles, I think, in that... um, Uh. (laughs) it's i wouldn't say this exactly um makes me feel some deep feelings in a in an intelligible way it does get me hyped when i'm when this uh verse is coming up and i've never really been able to tell exactly why um but uh and a lot of it owes to the way 
that Black Francis sings it. This is this is possibly the most Black Francis delivery of Black Francis's career. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, you've got his sort of just uh, willingness to be completely off kilter in his rhythm and and uh, phrasing, as they say in singing. Um, and also, you get both uh, singing and uh, this sort of voice uh, rattling screeching uh, that I love from him. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, I actually, when I picked this, uh, I did so, again, because I'm, I get so excited when this part is coming up. And uh, I love singing it so much. And in particular, the last line of this verse, uh, this, this is the sound that the mother makes when the baby breaks, um, which is tough to literally parse in a lot of ways. Um, Unless you but park it, parse it really darkly. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, that's why I like, that's, you know, I'm attracted to sort of like dark things that are delivered in an upbeat way is, mm-hmm. is like my favorite mode. Um, so apparently, you know, the genius annotations on this, which I'm sorry for referring to those, but that's, you know, a good source of, of what people think a song means, um, uh, is that this song is all about um, condemning the uh, uh, society's slavish devotion to sexuality, um, which I don't, that doesn't seem right to me. First of all, the song is, nah, sounds way too up. Yeah, it seems way too upbeat to to fit that. Um, and second, uh, Black Francis definitely has some sexy lyrics uh, here and there in his canon, so it's not like he's against sex or anything. Um, anyway, uh, it's definitely a look at um, maybe sort of the complexities of our sexual uh, society. Um, but anyway, I, I think what I like is that even if I'm not, if I don't have a clear, literal, um, simple interpretation of it, the juxtaposition of, uh, whores and then holy imagery like choirs and, um, you know, adoration and then, um, you know, dead or maybe even aborted babies, which is the really dark way I went with it um is uh just really appealing to me and then um you know not just that but the the fact that the most striking words in it are the four repetitions of the word ah uh, um uh you know you you condemned wordless vocalizations before when we we're talking about lyrics but the way that it's mixed in with actual words here uh really works for me so um, this may be a dissatisfying um, explanation of why I love this verse, but uh, I guess that's the point. I love it even though I'm not sure what I think it means. <laughs> yeah, I think I don't think you need to know what lyrics mean to love them. They don't need to have yeah. meaning for you to love them. I mean, a, you know, a literal um, yeah. meaning. Um, they can still mean something to you, and I think satisfy they, all they, four. They, they produce sensations, let's say. Rules, yes, yes. They can produce a deep tingling uh, <laughs> within the important parts of the brain. Um, no, the the Black Francis is a master at taking um, near gibberish um, mm-hmm. or uh, totally random images and um, binding it to his purpose um, in yes, d- possibly 
another striking part of this album in Debaser, he's just kind of yelling the mangled name of a, a French movie um, <laughs> <laughs> over and over. And yes. it, it works uh, really well. Um, uh, something I learned when researching the lyrics of Doolittle that Chen and Delucia is like yeah. kind of the title of the famous movie by Salvador Dali. But yeah, and really. Luis Boonwell. Yeah, yes. exactly. <laughs> um, so, and, you know, I, I think that's why, um, um, you know, and, and of course, occasionally he uh, opts for clarity and you get um, something like, where is my mind? Mm-hmm. Um, where, you know, you see this sort of desperate chaos of the pixies. Um, yes come into focus i think one of the reasons they're kind of the ur band um offering some of the ur lyrics to alternative is that they really do um lack uh a final like finishing touches and kind of that chaotic form allows uh you to you to shape a lot of things from them um and from their amazing one-of-a-kind raw materials so yeah um and that's on that's on full display here um, and these lyrics uh, really, really work. Yeah, you know, I think I would say it's like a, it's like he sort of taps into sort of a pre-conscious level of, of, of thought, and then translates that into words. Which you know, language is a very conscious thing, and that's that's what's so striking about so many of his lyrics is um, that that way he's expressing things. Um, that you can't put into words in words. <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, maybe maybe that's why maybe that's why I find myself thinking about his lines all the time. Again, when I I I, I have only vague premonitions of what they mean, and it's because he's talking about things that that don't have meaning the from the realm of sensation and and emotion and urge mm-hmm. um, in a in a sort of a pre rational way, like I said. Uh, yes, yes, I, I, I think we, I think we've got it. Um, why don't we, why don't we, why don't we move to the other end of the alternative rock, uh, spectrum to something like five generations away from the Pixies, even though it's like only like nine years later, uh, and talk about Harvey Danger. There we go. Uh, trigger and trigger the emo council. Yes. <laughs> Paul, when I go to a 90s night um, at a 
uh, venue uh, to dance my uh, 90s ass off. Um, the two songs that I always put in a request for are uh, Super Drags, Who Sucked Out the Feeling, and Harvey Danger's Flagpole Sitta. Um, mm. Certainly, um, this song is um, one of the most fun alternative rock songs to sing along to uh, while jumping yes. up and down. Um, and um, uh, this verse in particular, um, as well as being very fun, um, mm. which I think needs no uh, explanation, um, just, you know, that sort of uh, drum roll leading to screaming, paranoia, paranoia, everybody's coming to get me. Um, it's got a good hook. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's also, to me, I like that it's, it's always had for me um, a, another layer of meaning, um, a, an anthem for diving headfirst uh, into the age of the internet. Um, I find mm-hmm. it a little bit prescient, um, even though he's, you know, he's talking about hipsters, he's talking about zines, you know, he's talking about the scene that they're in. Um, when you get to the end, you get to the the agony and the irony. Um, they're killing me. I mean, that's still, that's how I feel, feel when I open Twitter every day. Um, <laughs> and, you know, if you're bored, then you're boring. Like it's just, it's picking up on the little hints of, you know, there's going to be this, um, never ending stream of uh shit tastic content thrown at you um and maybe that's you know uh, definitely relying heavily on my interpretation of it but i mean that's okay i mean you know i think that sometimes um when it comes to song lyrics you know you get to take um more liberties with the text than you do in other medium um you know and, and ascribe personal meanings to it and here, this just, you know, I, and also, you know, having been 16 when this song came out, um, uh, it, uh, again, as sort of an anthem into the uh, larval stage, or what's the, what's the, between larval and adult, the pupae, I yeah, don't know. Pupil stage. Pupil yeah. stage. <laughs> um, uh, it's sort of uh, one of those little uh, signifiers of that. Um so uh yeah, but I don't um I don't want to I don't also don't want to get too deep into it. I think it's <laughs> they just did a really good job of writing fun lyrics for their fun song and um without sounding really stupid. And um you know, that's hard to do. Now these are these lyrics are the, they're the kind of lyrics that come from uh when you hear them, you you think like this guy is obviously very smart, um, but uh, you know I'm not sure that the whole verse like I'm not sure that it, there's a single idea to the whole verse, but all the mm-hmm. lines are great. Hear the voices in my head. I swear to God, it sounds like they're snoring. It only just hit me uh, how funny that is. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that you would hear voices <laughs> and they would just be asleep. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but uh, if you're bored, then you're boring. That's just true. Uh, I think of that every time somebody complains about being bored um, <laughs> because there's so much shit to entertain yourself with. Um and then, like you said, the agony and the irony, they're killing me, is 
that is like the motto for like what like post 70s culture through today mm-hmm. and shows yeah. no signs of of not being relevant to us yeah um so um absolutely uh you know i again like i said the the striking thing about this is that it seems like the work of somebody who's just you know got a lot to say and a lot of ideas and it it's it's still surprising to me that uh harvey danger didn't go on to have like some sort of career i don't know maybe he became an engineer or something um because uh it's just a really clever dude and they made music that rocks uh yeah at least a few songs so yeah i think yeah, I mean, I think they did go. I think they went on to have a uh, meaningful indie rock career, as we discussed in the emo podcast. But yes, um, it is. Yeah. They were the unfortunate victims of the end of MTV's support of any kind of rock music um, at the <laughs> tail end of the '90s. Um, I wouldn't say the victims. They they squeezed this in right before then. But you know, any follow ups, there was just um, suddenly so much less of a venue for it um yeah well you know arguably they had too much mainstream success to continue being like a true in the indie scene you know and they weren't early enough to hit the the alt rock uh a gold rush of the early 90s so yeah they're not that was their problem you know i mean in some ways they're kind of contemporaries of the the strokes and um and yeah, and that sort of like New York scene, the yeah, 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 and LCD sound system. I don't think they're from New York, but um, uh, watch, they are from there. Um, but um, you know, they they could easily had this come out, you know, eighteen months later, um, been uh, kind of assigned to uh, that role, as you said, like yeah. sort of, you know. Um, yeah, they could have been on, a, on an indie label, and nobody ever from thought Seattle, that they yeah. were going to be. Uh, okay, and nobody yeah. would have ever thought they were going to be a big band, and then you know maybe it would have been fine. Um, yeah, no, good stuff, and uh, a great song that you know for for a one hit wonder, um, one of the better things to come out of the '90s. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> all right, let's go with my final choice by Built to Spill. From their song "Stab" off their debut album, Paul, a lot of lot of stabbing going on. I noticed lyrics. that after I made my choices. Yes, <laughs> it's um, it definitely means something. I wrote a song. It was slow and long. difficult to turn that off um so those are the last words from uh from a song from uh there's nothing wrong with the love the first album 
released by Built to Spill in 1994. Um, and uh, these ones definitely do uh, benefit greatly from their context within the song. But um, yeah, it's another it's another pith- pithy selection. Um, a little self-conscious. I wrote a song. Haha, it comes in the middle of a song. Um, it was slow and long. I wrote the words and the music wrong, but life goes on. So to that point, you have sort of a typically um, laid back, uh, uh, purposefully, uh, self-consciously uh, slackerish sentiment. Um, you know, uh, I screwed it up, but whatever, life goes on. But then what I love is that he immediately turns that into intense rage <laughs> um, that is really a more appropriate response in a lot of ways and also a more um, uh, sad and intense response to fucking something up. Um, you know, we've got the sort of soft music that goes under the, relatively speaking, that goes under the first part of it. Mm-hmm. And as he shifts from saying, but life goes on to, and on and on and on and on and on, the guitars kick in in one of the hardest moments from the whole album. And uh, I... I guess I just really appreciate the way that he takes two words and completely flips the sentiment of uh, that he had been expressing um, at the mm-hmm. beginning of it and uh, turns that into also the final angry um, self-recrimination uh, of the whole album. Yeah, when you first um, linked me to this, I was like, wait, uh, what what part of this? What part, what built to spill song is this? What like and I, you know like it it didn't click right away. Then I I turned it on. I listened to it. and I was like, oh yeah, this is that that part of that what song that all all always like stings me really deeply with a <laughs> uh, a pure sadness. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> um, and that's why I picked it, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, he, yeah, and, and you know, it, it's it benefits, of course, from the context as any built to spill lyric would, um, from their uh, their amazing layers and layers of uh, beautifully made guitar sounds, um, and guitar magic, I should say. Um, <laughs> you should, you should say that, Joe. Um, but yeah, it's it's that it's that one line. I wrote the words and the music wrong. Uh, but life goes on and it's just it, in coming in the middle of a song like it's yeah. somehow it's not a cheap joke you're like he's talking about this song he's talking about some other song that he couldn't put together and this is kind of like the second attempt you know after he just threw that other one away um and there's kind of this mystery there um that's of failure and loss that again mm-hmm. is just piercing coming at the end of the song the end of the album and then just kind of fading away it's as that being like the last image on the album is uh pretty um <laughs> dark um yeah and kind of just like leaves you questioning like what you just listened to um and yeah. uh you know and and i think that one thing is that i have occasionally listen to a f- found a few acoustic built to spill bootlegs and you know i'm always i've i've been surprised at how well um their songs hold up um in terms of just the the songwriting uh, when you kind of strip away those um 
the beautiful artifice of the the production um you know uh doug's a a great songwriter um i'm not sure if this song is credited to just him or the entire band but um uh, and i think that his um his work holds up in the context of of songwriting and and lyrics um which maybe wasn't under debate but i think with um <laughs> As we talked about, maybe with like my bloody Valentine, you know, when you you have a band that's this good at guitars, you don't. A lot of times that gets skipped, and I think that's maybe what makes Built to Spill particularly magical. Is you know you've got this great, uh, you've got this great songwriter who also um, puts his songs to um, makes them sound amazing too. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Yeah, no, uh, uh, attempting to be blasé and then pulling out of it in a rage at yourself for even thinking about it is uh, the way to go. So um, these are great lyrics, <laughs> and uh, it's it's gratifying to hear that you have also uh, uh, found that they really hit in the past. So yeah, what's our last one, Joe? Paul, the last one is uh, Weezer's El Scorcho, uh, in particular, The Bridge. Wow. Uh, you know, it's sad that Weezer never did anything as good as even that like three bar guitar solo at the end of that after this in their career. <laughs> um uh, in terms of guitar solos, or just in general? In terms of any music thing they did after after this album. <laughs> Indeed, yes, yes. Um, uh, the common theme across many of the lyrics we chose of um, the narrator utterly lambasting themselves, um, <laughs> uh, just, just really giving themselves a hard time, um, uh, and uh, Rivers um, throughout Pinkerton, uh, not particularly high on himself. Um, and in this song, this song, you know, he's he's rather famously, um, you know, comparing um, his his uh, plight to um, to parts of the plot of Madame Butterfly, and then he discovers that the person, uh, this girl that he's kind of stalking um is uh into madam butterfly as well um and things just really like ramp up in this bridge where i think the song literally speeds up um you got those beautiful overdriven drums as you've pointed out um and uh it may be the least complicated part of the song um but i think there you know it kind of like suddenly just rips off the mask and he's just keeps saying how stupid is it you know for all i know you want me to maybe you just don't know what to do or maybe you're scared to say i'm falling for you um it it's just this beautiful crescendo that then you know kind of 
goes back to the um, coy silliness in the third verse, um, you know, immediately hiding again. And I think it's that that juxtaposition where for this moment in the song, he's just being totally honest and you see this raw emotion um, and um, being yeah. able to do that lyrically, you know, I, I didn't want to say the whole song is the choice, but just being able to, it, it's definitely exempt exemplifies you know this um uh really um just uh well-written short story that is el scorcho um yeah. uh you know for at least for a short story that fits into a um a four minute alternative rock song uh it's <laughs> really good um and um definitely passes the test of having um it had a lot of meaning for me back then and um, yes. being great to sing along to. Um, and that's, yeah. Yeah. So by the way, uh, if you are sneaking into a girl's room and reading her diary, that is not kind of stalking. That is, that is stalking. <laughs> I was hoping he's doing that metaphorically. I, he literally he, quotes from the diary. So yes. <laughs> Anyway, um, yeah, no, these are, um, you're right. The, the way that, uh, this is, this is sort of the strength of Pinkerton is the, um, the way he manages to turn like completely awkward, guileless sincerity into something heartbreaking. Um, you know, uh, there's. Uh, you know, this and, and my favorite song from this album, Across the Sea, it's just like, he's just straight up yelling about how he's feeling, and it's not cool at all, um, but it's still somehow charming in a way. Um, it's it's creepy yet charming, I guess, is the, the, the Pinkerton ethos. Um, so, yes. uh, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, no, these are great lyrics. Like, there's not like... Um, uh, there's not like a ton of artistry to it, but that's what makes it work. Um, or a ton of like, let's, it's not a lack of artistry. It's a lack of, uh, of, of, um, subtlety. Yeah. 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 Of subtext. Yes. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, and part of it is the way that the delivery is, um, as unhinged, is unhinged enough to make you, uh, take it seriously in a way. Um, that if somebody's just singing about this smoothly, it's like you're you sound way too cool to actually be as tortured as you say you are right now. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, but when you're sort of shrieking over crazy spastic rock, I believe it. Uh, yeah, shout out to uh, Brian Bell and Matt Sharp who um, do a great job on the backup vocals of this song. Um, often, mm-hmm. you know, Matt taking over the falsetto. Um, to great effect and um, uh, you know in the final chorus um, often taking over for rivers for for a bar um, and I think that really adds to how well uh, this is delivered um, uh, and um, I also have to say that you know I think popping up again here and and throughout um, maybe all of our songs except the pumpkin songs um, or maybe even in Hummer is is that um, a smart sense of humor um, 
comes into yeah. play. Uh, <laughs> even when you get to, you know, I'll bring home the turkey if you bring home the bacon is hilarious <laughs> and just works at the end of this is uh, wild. Um, but uh, um, for those yeah. uh, for those brief years, um, uh, Rivers was a fucking amazing songwriter um, and uh, not not so weird that he couldn't handle it. Um, exactly. Um, and then uh, uh, there, I have to, I have to note that the genius annotations include one line annotated by Rivers Cuomo himself. Yes. Um, I saw that. <laughs> yes. Come down on the street and dance with me. He says he took this from a cheesy song. He and Pat used to laugh at. It's an inside joke. Um, I hate, I hate I the official, I hate the official <laughs> annotations on genius. They're so bad. It's like it's 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 so much worse than just coming up with your own ideas of of what it means. <laughs> yes. Never um, ask the artist. <laughs> exactly. I will say that's completely believable, and actually, that doesn't ruin that particular line for me. So um, take heart, Joe. Well, um, I think I think if we ever interview uh, someone from a band we like, we should not talk to them about music at all. Oh, like yeah, just yeah. just talk to them about soccer. <laughs> I mean, yeah, or you know, Billy. We could talk about wrestling. We could talk about um, it, all kinds of things. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Tom, Tom York. We'll, we'll talk about international, um, you know, debt, climate and, change. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I don't know when we talk to Kendrick. I, th- I think I'd probably just ask him what his favorite soul food places in LA are. We'll be too high to speak. <laughs> Anyway, next time on Savage Beast, we interview all of our heroes. Yes, Billy, uh, Kendrick, uh, and Rivers will be in studio. Uh, Tom York will be DJing. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, um, Joe, thanks for another great podcast. I enjoyed this one. Yeah, I enjoyed it too. Um, whether we learned anything or not, I don't know, but it was fun. We learned that um, we learned that there's a reason that you and I like each other and 90s music and that yes. it's um, that it's our deep skepticism about our own self-worth um, <laughs> is that reason. In 60 seconds, 60 second question, do you think that like 90s alternative rock, that there's something in particular about the lyrical uh, style of the time that is unique to it and enduring? Um, you know... That's a good question because there are a lot of different modes that people are working in just in our selections right here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, the the Pixies, um, inscrutable sort of uh, uh, subconscious ravings are very different from Rivers just like like writing his diary over a song. Um, and uh, you know, um, there the 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 theme of of like you said just uh <laughs> sort of being funny about how much things suck i guess is maybe um maybe that's the most specific one you could pull out yeah they probably they probably reflect um if they reflect anything in particular they reflect the era of grunge and slacking and just yeah, that the whole overall Gen X mindset yeah exactly that's that's probably what um, kind of binds these together. Um, and certainly also they represent, you know, 
a last flourishing of um, rock not taking itself too seriously before indie rock kind of imposed a set of requirements upon the complexity of your music. Um, that was the most ominous way I've ever heard the word requirements said. Mm. A set of requirements. Um, yes. <laughs> Sounds like, sounds like something somebody from 1984 would say. Um, yeah, I would agree. Indie rock is definitely more self-serious than all the things we've pointed out here, um, except maybe, except maybe Billy Corgan. He's pretty self-serious. Um, but uh, yeah, great. It's cool. Yeah. Anybody, anyway, people, uh, send us those emails. Savagespod at gmail dot com. There's also Twitter. There's also iTunes. If you just Google us at this point with those words, you'll find us. I'm not going to say all that shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but we would appreciate all the interaction we can get on any of those media. And uh, uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Yeah, we're we're a lot like you. So please, hello. So please. We're here. We're here. We're, we're waiting. <laughs> in, in your, we're waiting in your room, reading your diary. <laughs> exactly. And we, we definitely will bring home the turkey if you will bring home the bacon. Mm-hmm. And good night. Good night. It isn't hard to see the hang ups we have today. Jesus.